be um, a relaxed, mellow, arriving meditation. So nothing too strenuous. Your eyes can be open if that's more comfortable, or they can be closed. And just start to let go of whatever came before class. And whatever is coming after. All the mental worry release. Or even just the mental busyness. And for these next few minutes, enter into the physical world of feeling. Feeling the body. Start with placing your awareness at the crown of your head. And just slowly scanning down your body and simply being aware of what's there. Just by paying attention, you'll be able to release and relax a little bit. So unwind whatever tension you can. There's no rush. And when your mind jumps to something else, just relaxing the hold on the other object and coming back to the body. scanned all the way down your body. Come to the rhythm of breath as it moves your chest. It can be your whole body. It moves at the nose. See if you can let the body just breathe. You don't have to control the breath.
for the last few moments. Bring your mind clear and bright to the breath. So as bright a focused mind as you can muster at this point. And then once you have that, just release the breath. Feel the weight of your body, the line of the chair. Feel your feet on the ground. Then start to expand your focus into the room. Feeling the temperature, hearing the noises. starting to move and opening your eyes, making a dedication if you like. that um, we have like the sign outside that says, you know, like meditation progress, please be quiet in the hall. <laughs> and I think people must just like gloss over it because they've been seeing it for a long time, you know, and just not even read it. Your <laughs> experience in walking meditation. <laughs> yeah. Walking and talking meditation. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to start with a little bit of review, which is good. Hello. Um, you may know this from the last course, so it's kind of a review of what we're studying. Hi, are you? Just give the set for a few minutes. Oh, yeah, sure. We're, doing, we're going over um, a guide to the Bodhisattva's way of life. This is the... Okay, so we're going to kind of review the text and the authors. <laughs> um, do you remember what the text is, Cheryl? Oh, you're welcome. to the Bodhisattva's way of life. <laughs> mm -hmm. I know, it can be hard to remember. Um, and then it's by Master Shanti Deva, which his name means Peace God in Sanskrit, which is a really amazing name. I mean, if your name's Peace God, you're probably um, kind of special. And he was born around, or alive around 700 A.D., so that is the root text that we're studying. And 
we don't have any copies here, but this is a, it's a beautiful book. It's probably one of the most beautiful texts in all of Buddhism. It's written in uh, like poem form, and it's just it's really sweet to read, and it has a lot of great wisdom in it too. Um, so in this class, we go over we'll be going we go over the Tibetan too. Not that you have to learn it, but just so we know what we get exposed to the language and maybe plant the seeds for wanting to learn it in the future. So the root text um, in Tibetan is Jangchub Sempa Chupa Lajukpa. And in Sanskrit, it's Bodhisattva Charya Avatara. Yeah, I love that. I love that whole title, Bodhisattva Charya Avatar. It's just beautiful. Um, okay, so what we're studying tonight is basically it's called how to react to harm. We're on the third part of the patience chapter, and um, last week, what we went over, I'll do like a quick review. The audios will be online if you want to listen to them. Um, So last week, basically, if you take all the things that upset you, like people at work, people in our families, uh, people on the road, in the grocery store, wherever, our own body when it's not doing what we want it to do, all these things, even our own mind when we're happy or discouraged or anything like that, and we put them in like a lineup in front of us and examine them, we talked about where do they come from, which is important to know because then we can get rid of them, get rid of all the, this suffering, this unhappiness that happens if we know where it came from. And it's, it's more asking the question like, why was the girl at work that annoys me hired um, like why does she exist in my world why does she have the cube right next to me you know all of these things it's not how it happens it's why because you know how it happens she got hired and so she was put into the cube next to me but why that's the interesting question why is she in my world So last week we talked about where did she come from, and we talked about a kid asking their mom, like one of their friends gets in a car accident, and he asks his mom, you know, why did my friend die, and his mom didn't get hurt in the same car accident. He's asking why, and the mom says, well, he was sitting on the wrong side of the car, and he wasn't wearing his seatbelt. It says, well, why didn't the other car hit the other side of the car? You know, why was my friend sitting on the side that got hit? Why didn't he put his seatbelt on? And at a certain point, we go through this when we're younger, maybe some of us still to this day, but at a certain point, the mom just says, you know, don't worry about it, or there's no reason. And it's really unscientific, um, given that we live in a society that's really interested in science and and um, kind of invested in science and really believes in it. And at these crucial moments, this is what we talked about last week from the, from the text, at these crucial moments, 
is where the Western explanation breaks down. Um, but this doesn't fit in with what Buddhism teaches because everything has a cause and everything has a reason, according to Buddhism. Nothing happens for no reason. So the question that we're asking is why, not how? Because in a lot of situations, the how is kind of easy to figure out, or science can do a good job explaining some hows. You know, like, why am I sick, or something like that. I mean, how am I sick, but not why. And we kind of get, I think we kind of get lazy and we get in the habit of saying that there's no reason why things happen. Because, you know, we're, we're driving to Roseville and there's tons of traffic driving to Roseville, but the other side is completely clear. And it's not rush hour. There's not anything, you know, that's easily explainable, but we're just like, oh, you know, well, there's just traffic. And in that situation, maybe it's not that important, you know, like we're a little frustrated. But with people in our lives who are really challenging, then the why becomes more interesting. Like, why do I have this annoying person in my life who's challenging me all the time? So that's, that's what we talked about last class, and we went into the possible explanations. And it, it's kind of, it was a pretty technical class last class, but the possible explanations, one is, that there's no reason, no reason why things happen. That's one explanation of how, how the world works, basically. And then, because Master Shantideva talked about this in the text, we talked about um, an old school or a religion in India. Basically, that's equivalent to like uh, the Western idea of God, so it would be you know, God did it. God's in charge. God made the traffic. God made the annoying person. That sort of thing. So there's that belief. And then, in how the, the world was created, there's another, which is the Big Bang. Before which nothing existed, and then suddenly there's this explosion that wasn't caused by anything. Or maybe there's the Big Bang, and then there's the idea that there is another Big Bang before it now, or something like that. So, basically it boils down to why things happen, or how the world's created. It could be no reason, God, or a Big Bang with a cause, or with no cause. And then we went through those and um, disproved them one by one. Um, so the no cause is kind of ridiculous because, I mean, I think just in general, all of us know that things have a cause. That there's no reason why things happen. There, there just has to be a cause. There has to be something that came before that brings about an event. It's just like basic ideas that you get in like elementary school science, you know? Like things are caused by something before them. It's not logical to think that something just appears out of thin air, out of nothing. And we don't, none of us really think that anyways. And then the idea 
the arguments so the arguments for God were that he made everything and this is in ancient India so we're not we're not just talking about Christianity um, we're talking about because these religions are lovely and amazing and they help a lot of people but According to Buddhism, it's a, a wrong view that prevents us from being able to progress on, on the path. So the argument against God, it said that he made everything, but then who made him? Where did he come from? If he's a being that's doing things and creating things, he was created by something if he's a changing being. There's no such thing as an unchanging being. You would just there would be no change, like you wouldn't be moving, your mind wouldn't be moving, you couldn't do anything. It's just, um, it, that one's kind of hard, I think, we have to think about that one a little bit, because it's a different logic than I think we're used to in the West. Uh, so that's how we disprove the idea um, of God. If, if he had any change or movement of his mind, then he's not unchanging. And then there's also um, the compassion argument because if a being made the world, then why would why would they make death? Why would they make sickness? Why would they make cancer? Why would they make guns? Like why would they make all of this unhappiness for people if they could do anything? Why, why do we need to be tested? If they could have just made us perfect from the start. Or just test us in the first, like, three minutes of existence and then we're done. You know, like, what is the point of that? It would just, if that was the idea, it would just be, um, I don't think masochistic's the word, is it? Just like sort of messing with people, just playing around with people, which if God's compassionate and loving, why would they do that? It, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. May, may I say something? Uh-huh. So it's been my understanding that we're here on this particular planet to learn by hurt and by the mistakes that we make so that we are looking through all this, we are learning how to love and to love ourselves. Did any mm-hmm. of that conversation come up? That is kind of what we were addressing in this part of the course, because in this part of the class that we're reviewing right now, last week, um, because the question that comes up is if the, the God... And maybe what you're talking about isn't the same, because this is talking about a religion in ancient India. Mm-hmm. But if the god is compassionate, all-knowing, all-powerful, what would be the point of doing that? Like, why, why wouldn't he just make us already loving to start? That's the argument here. Because of the first separation in consciousness? Did that come up? No. I'm not sure what that means. 
So this is what I think I heard. Mm -hmm. that in the first separation of consciousness, when we were taken away from God and given this experience, that we um, formed doubt. So how did how are you taken away from? So God created. Created us, and in that in that particular event, yeah, with Him not being present. So then it wouldn't be exactly the same because he's not all powerful. Otherwise, he would have changed. He wouldn't. That wouldn't have happened. Like he would have been in charge the whole time. So it would be kind of okay, different so than I, what okay, we're talking so about. Okay. So at that point, we were given the opportunity to learn to and to learn to grow through our, with our own tools that that we're learning, and yeah. and then also in that I heard there was that. Part of the density that you know, being on the planet, we it's so dense in energy. Am I just spouting off? <laughs> I don't want to. No, I don't. Statue. No, I mean, I think that I don't know everything about Christianity at all, from or is not or from Creator a God. Viewpoint. It's from a. It was from a some other learning. Definitely. Oh, not okay. Because I'm not. I'm only talking about what he went over in the text. Okay. So I'm not sure that I'm familiar with so exactly I'm pretty, what you're I'm angry. To. I'm angry that yeah. I'm on a planet that I, I wasn't just given a text to learn. <laughs> and so I'm angry for that. So that could be like, okay, that that's... I came in the room today talking about all of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like you're you're angry that it's so difficult. Yeah. That it's not easier. Yeah. Right. So I, I feel like I haven't embraced something or I don't know something. Yeah. And and you're trying to find it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like I think that's what we're doing on the spiritual path, you know, where it's bringing up a yeah. lot of emotion with me talking to you, so there's truth in all of this. Yeah. Well, it's also, um... I just could have an opening, so just everyone to prepare. <laughs> well, yeah, I hope, I mean, I think I answered to what degree I have the knowledge of, you know, in that sense, in regards to the idea of God. Um, but he only addresses it in, like, well, so short like, part. So, paraphrase that. So, if God is all... Conditioning and loving. I, 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 I want to say this. So my son has a new girlfriend, and they're not getting along. They're getting to know each other. Mm -hmm. So she calls me and wants me to do, make my son do something. I just became a person to hold the space so they could learn. Mm -hmm. And that, that's how I dealt with that. I feel like that's how God is. That is, I think that is one idea of God. It's not the idea that we that they were talking about in the text, where so he's all powerful and compassionate, and like, and he created everything. So it's like it's a little different. I think there's different ideas of God because if he's all powerful, he can do anything, and he's compassionate. He loves everyone. Then why? Then he would just make everything 
great for everybody. You know, like there wouldn't be the in, death. In that text, though, does he say why the world is? Why are we on this planet? Is that a point? Well, according to Buddhism, everyone's trajectory is moving towards enlightenment. That's yes. our purpose. Yeah. Is to get out of the wheel of suffering. Yes. And then... By being on a planet of suffering. <laughs> nice. Well, and actually... <laughs> learning. You're constantly yeah. learning. You're being confronted with these things, karmic seeds, that continue mm -hmm. to sprout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you're, you're, you're purifying these things from the past. So the point in Buddhism is that there's not someone else calling the shots in our life. That's the whole, the whole point and, that we got and to. And not this. a god. Right. There's so no god, god like not, that in Buddhism. So God is not calling our shots. So right. how, so, so there are enlightened, <laughs> there's enlightened holy beings who are watching out for us and looking over us, but it's not, not like that. Which is why there are all the gods in the in, in Buddhism. the Buddhism and yeah Hindi. I mean, so it's like we're in control of our own of our own life, and we've also I mean this is more the karma class, but we've also created everything in our life too. So we're like we're the only ones who can get us out of out of the trouble, you know. And we have teachers that can come and help us, whether they're teachers in the form of our friends, our pets, actual teachers like in class or parents or whoever, you know? So in Buddhism, there's no one God. There's, do, they, do they have the concept of being one with everyone? Or Not really, but they, there is like interdependence, like everybody's connected in a way. That's, yeah. You know, like, I think we understand that, that one pretty easily. But, you, I mean, you could say that all of these different gods that we see on these tankas are emanations um, of, of Buddha. But that's not really, that's not really how it, it goes. It's kind of like we have lots of gods, if you wanted to call them gods. So if there are lots of gods, though, who's the head god? Is there a head god? Or is there any quality? No, it's like, um, it's like they all have different specialties. Yeah, the, the different jobs and the, the, the different... Yeah, like some of them, their specialties, compassion or wisdom. But they're not controlling our lives. We're the, we're the only ones who can do that. Right, but um, do, you, do you think that Christianity and other religions... Have that belief that we're being controlled by God? It, it, it seems to me in Christianity it. there is that. I'm not sure that they would say controlled, um, but kind of like there's someone else calling the shots. Mm -hmm. So it's it is a that's like the probably the biggest difference. There's tons of similarities between Buddhism and Christianity too. Yeah. But that's probably the biggest difference. It's All like right. the so one guy fear. versus... There's some fear, getting to this anger thing. There's some fear in the religions. Mm -hmm. Do the Buddhists have, have fear control? What do, they, what do you mean by fear like, control? I, I think Christianity is fear-based. Oh. I'm speaking very frank and clear. No. They, 
No, and I actually, I think ultimately, that's not the intent of Christianity but either. It is, but it's true. But to I do that. think yeah, it can, yeah, it can go to that. Yeah, okay. And in a sense, you could take, you could twist Buddhism to that too, but it's definitely not the intention, and I think it's, I think it's set up very differently. It's also I just to one more comment, and then I'll let you move on. So mm-hmm. I, I have some resistance about that we're all one because I'm not, I'm not who some people are, and, and I like that right, separation. I don't yeah. like being part of something that's not good. No, I don't, right. I'm not that. Okay, so, so I have some conflicts. The yeah, there's, there, there's like, it's just so many layers and so yeah. many details. It's just like, each time you read more and go to another class, it kind of unfolds mm-hmm. slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, I have tons of questions too, and I've been studying it for 10 or 11 years. You know, like, yeah, solely. Like, yeah, like the different aspects of it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so yeah, it's good It's good to have. In the, this, is my, this is my first year to like, well, no, that's not true because I've, I've really studied a lot of Buddhism, but like just to really get down and like this This is nice. Thank you for holding the space. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> this, yeah, this night is more of like the um, in-depth classes are on, on Wednesdays. So that, I think that's kind of why they're smaller too. <laughs> Not everybody wants that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. So that's what we talked about last week. So now we're getting to this week. And Master Shanti Deva, he gives these arguments. And then he brings up. Basically, when someone makes us angry, when someone pisses us off, or does something we don't like, or even when we have thoughts we don't like, or we don't feel how we want to feel, to focus on where it came from. Um, Did it come from these things we've been talking about, or did it maybe come from my past ways of thinking? And if we were really objective and we hadn't grown up with all these different ideas, we would pick the last one that it came from my past way of thinking because it it makes the most sense just logically on like a first glance and we don't have to we don't have to buy it in the you know, the first time we hear it um, so if it came from our past way of thinking then that almost that also means that we can do something about it the others we don't have we can't really do much about you know So, an unpleasant thing that is happening around us, at that very moment, we must consciously recognize where it's coming from and then thereby stop any negative reactions to it. And then we're going to read a few contemplations. So, I'll read the contemplation, which is basically just an excerpt from the text. And then we'll, you can close your eyes if you like. We'll be quiet for a short moment, and then we'll go into the explanation of it. I love the, the topic tonight. It's really great. Um, okay, so here's contemplation number 13. 
The mind is not a thing with a body. So don't be overcome by anyone at all, by anyone at any point at all. It's due to the fact we grasp to it that all these many pains can do harm to the body. Pains? Pains, yeah. When someone criticizes me or says some harsh things to me, their words with their unpleasant sound can do no physical harm to me. Why is it then, my mind, that you feel such fury? And this one is basically, this one comes down to sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's basically what we're talking about. Um, let's go to the next slide. Okay. So that's an angry bird, so I thought it was appropriate. <laughs> yeah. um, so we'll, we'll just repeat the Tibetan. And then, um, so this is from the text and then we'll talk about what it means. So say, yi ni, luchin, sukyang, dang du, ang, shom mi nu. Okay, so when you translate Tibetan, you go from back to front. So basically, this means because the mind doesn't have a body, it can't be overcome by anyone anywhere at all. This means when someone criticizes or says something harsh to you, the mind isn't a physical body. Someone can attack us verbally or, or physically, but verbally, they can't hurt us. So it's not like the mind is a body that can be cut and there's pain. So if we can train ourselves well enough, then we can get to a point where the words have no effect on the mind at all. So we're not being thrown around by every little thing that happens or if someone speaks to us slightly in a wrong way. And it's not that it's easy, but that's the ultimate goal, or the ultimate place that we can get to. So what is the explanation for my heart hurts because you said something bad to me? Literally hurts. Um, I think it's kind of like a, um, I think it's more of an emotion, you know, like an emotion coming up. person or like to that what they said and then it like stirs up in your mind and you're just like spinning off in this thing yeah and it, yeah and it might be that you're Maybe. it's troubling and so that brings up like a physical reaction so too. it is a comment that the mind is not a thing without a body we're separating the emotion from the mind I think what it's referring to is like, it's not like I'm here 
and then my mind also has a body. You know what I mean? It's so it's like physically I can get hurt. Mentally, just by saying something to me, I can't get hurt like that. It's not like um, someone can like stab me with a sword in my mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the mind is something that's not the same as the body. It's not. Um, it. I mean, it's obviously oh, okay, connected now, to the body. Are we okay? We're not talking about the brain. We're talking about the mind. The yeah, mind the mind. like the okay. consciousness. Sorry, I got a little, I got yeah, a little off right in the beginning. Yeah. The mind. So right. the great. question is, why should we get angry when someone insults us? Why should we get upset? Now and this the is argument. What I, came in. I walked in saying this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She was talking about anger. <laughs> and it sounds a lot of the examples that we hear in here. It's good to contemplate them because at first glance, they sound, um, a lot of them I think can sound kind of elementary or like they don't quite make sense. But then when you contemplate them more, they're so helpful and it, you get to see more of the true essence. And that's what I've heard teachers say is when, they, when things sound really elementary in Buddhist descriptions, um, it's probably because it's going over our head. And I've seen that be true with myself, too. So we just take them and think about them and look at them. So it sounds silly, but if we take it and contemplate it, we'll be able to overcome anger. Contemplate this. Mm-hmm. Okay. That idea that the mind, it's not like the mind has a body. Because I don't think logically it lands with us very easily. I know it doesn't with me. So if we contemplate it more, like even these ideas that we hear that we're like, I don't know about that. We just explore them and see what happens. Because I mean, if it can get rid of anger, if it can help us with anger, then why not try it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the main point, like my mind, your mind cannot be touched by anyone else unless you decide to allow it to be. Yeah. And then someone says to Master Shanti Deva, I understand that my mind isn't technically hurt, but I really identify with my body and I get mad. And Master Shanti Deva says, but if you think about it, it's a matter of choice. Your mind doesn't have to be upset when the body gets hurt. So we're talking about a little different thing. And there's people who get hurt, say, in battle or something like that, and it just amps them up more. And they go and, like, kick butt. And then there's people who get hurt, and they see a drop of blood, and they pass out. So it's not like it's set in stone how you have to react when these things happen. And then, in, in one sense, we're completely, at least our mind, our consciousness, we're completely independent of what's happening outside of us, and whether we choose to relate to everything that's happening around us is totally our choice. So the idea is to just get used to thinking like that. It doesn't mean it's going to work right away or easily, but over time it will. And I've kind of had, I had this happen kind of recently because 
someone said something that normally would have made me really upset, and other people, there were a few people around me who were upset by it, and it had, like, zero effect on me. It's not like this happens all the time, or even that often, but it did happen this once, and so I could see what this was talking about. There is a way where I was completely unaffected by what they said. And it's like, well, it's, they can say whatever they want, you know, mm -hmm. like, it's their point of view, and they're allowed to have it. Doesn't mean I have to, like, react to it or be affected by it. All right, so at this point is, like, where I'd like to be able to stop myself from reacting. Yeah, so we talked about, we talked about that, I think something that's helpful for that a few weeks ago, where, so before anger comes, like, feeling of irritation or being upset, and so this, like the process to never getting to anger is to catch ourselves when we're just getting a little irritated or we're just getting upset. So starting to notice that and then just backing off when we see that coming yeah. and then we never get to the yeah. anger. So I understand that. So I've been experiencing yeah. getting angry quick. Yeah. It, and not being it able can to be catch like that. myself at that point. It's really magnified right now. There's, it's, I'd really like to know how to get to that. Well, another technique that I don't know where Master Shanti David talks about this, <laughs> but he talks about at a certain point until things kind of slow down a little bit. I think he phrases that you just act like stiff as a log. Like you complete, you completely freeze, or I've heard this too. A really good technique is just um, remove yourself from the situation. Like, Which is what just I say, I have do. to go to the bathroom or whatever, you know. Basically, walk away, but that's not a really good problem solver. Ultimately, you know? it's not, but it's better than yeah. than getting really angry in the yeah. in the moment. Yeah. So okay. it's a temporary thing, and then you can kind of cool off a little and then when you feel like you can you can go back to the situation and you know think about how you'd like to react it's it is anger is really hard because yeah, it can come really good. fast I'm experiencing something I've never experienced with myself yeah it yeah it can be surprising especially if it's not the norm yeah for you uh-huh yep I I totally understand so you, the way I think also we can get to it is by starting with little things that are just slightly annoying. Mm -hmm. And then working on those, you know, like my coffee. I mean, everything can be slightly annoying, honestly. Like my coffee, I, you know, I went out of my way to get my coffee. I got up early this morning. I went to Pete's. And then it's like it's not that good today. So that, even that slight annoyance, you know, and then when I pick up my coffee, I'm like disappointed and then I'm kind of rude to someone who's in my way when I walk out the door. Right. So like I can, that one, I can control that one if I start to notice. When I pick up the coffee, I can think, okay, I know it, it might not be perfect, but how amazing this person just is spending their life standing here making my coffee. Amazing. I come in here and my order is complex. It's not simple. 
and they happily take it, they make it. So like getting myself off track of being irritated. I'm just like derailing that, and then it'll start to grow and to be able mm -hmm. to do it in bigger ways. And it, it is, it's really delicate. Um, Very delicate. Yeah. Okay, let me see. So, If everything's ultimately determined by our past actions, either in this life or past lives, then when we say that we have a choice, how does that tie together? Because whether we're able to make the choice is largely determined by our past karma, so then where can we change? And the downward cycle is really powerful. Once we get into it, it's really difficult to back out. Like once we get into the anger or jealousy or pride, whatever it is. We're talking about anger tonight, though. Um, and really, in Buddhism, there's no fair. Um, every, in a sense, everything's fair because it's all causality and it's all karma. If we do something, we will experience the result. There's no such thing as someone there to pardon us or to change anything. And also, there is purification, so we can purify all the things that we've done. We can purify the things that we're doing. So in a sense, karma is merciless. Unless we do the four powers, it's recorded and it will have a result. Doesn't, no one else is in con control of it. It's not a punishment. It's simply just cause and effect. It's, you know, it's not uh, cold-hearted or something. And likewise, we do something good, that will have an effect. It doesn't matter what the result is in the moment. So if we get the chance to break out of the cycle, even in the tiniest little bit, it can have a huge effect. So any tiny good thing we can do can, like, if we just cut off anger right away, if we're able to, even for a moment. It's a huge good deed. It can change things immensely in the future. And the thing, there's this idea that, I don't know, some people think like, oh, I'm just going to allow myself half hour of anger or five minutes, ten minutes, and then I'll be done with it. But in Buddhism, you're still planting karmic seeds. If, if you're experiencing it for a moment, well, there's a, it, there's a difference if it's just like a energy coming up of anger mm -hmm. and you're not doing anything to push it along, then that's just a ripening of a past seed. But once we're engaging and we're like getting involved in it, then we're, we're perpetuating it. Yeah. So we can kind of, if we have that power to watch it, experience it, let it come up and not act on it, then no, it's not. It's not a bad thing. But also, I can't remember we learned this in Cultivating Emotional Balance, but like, um, I think it's an emotion only lasts for something like, I don't know, 30 seconds or oh, I don't something that. like that. I know. <laughs> until we're pushing it along. <laughs> until we're pushing it. Oh, goodness. Isn't that crazy? I mean, yeah. in a sense, it's really a good thing because then if we're able to kind of let go of the reins a little then it, it comes up and then it'll be gone 
it's not going to stay that long on its own. It's just, it's just going to move right through, you know? But it's hard, it's really hard to get to the point. We'll go for a few more minutes and then we'll take a break. So with the good karma, so basically any bad karma we do will have an effect, a bad effect. So we have to just quit it cold turkey as much as we can. And on the flip side, any small good thing we do will have a huge effect too. So even if it's like the tiniest good deed we can do, nothing goes unnoticed. It's not, it's not somebody else deciding. It's our own consciousness planting these seeds that are going to ripen in the future. You know, like it's our own habits. So even if no one's around, even if nobody thanks us, it doesn't matter. If we do what's right, if we do a good thing, it'll always have a good result, period. And the negative that's coming up is clearing out the past negative deeds. Okay, I think we'll take a break now and then we'll come back. Let's see what page we're on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>